this week as I was praying about, Lord, what are we going to do this Sunday? What do you want to say to your people? Second Chronicles in chapter 16, there's this story about the prophet going to King Asa. And if, if you guys want to turn there, you can turn there. Uh, because I, I want to give you some background. <clears throat> but I want you to catch kind of the full portion here of Second uh, Chronicles 16. We're going to read verses 8 through 10. And the prophet is speaking to the king, and he's saying, Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And that's one of the first things that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about this Sunday is he wanted to speak that to you, is that he's looking for people whose heart is loyal to him. He wants to show himself strong On, on your behalf. But the, the verses go on and it says, in this you have done foolishly. Because King Asa had tried to do, take care of things himself and tried to bargain and, and done all this. And it says, therefore from now on you shall have wars. And I want you guys to catch this because then Asa, that's King Asa, was very angry with the seer and put him in prison. See what happens sometimes when you're obedient to the Lord? It doesn't all work out right. And, and I, I know all of us want to think, man, wouldn't it be great if everything always worked out well for us? And, and I said this to someone, and, and it's not the first time I've said it, and you've probably heard it or said it yourself. If things were perfect for Christians... There would be no shortage or no difficulty at getting people into the kingdom of God because everybody would want to be into the kingdom because everything's perfect for us. And, and I'm looking at this and I was just thinking the, the, the king was enraged because the prophet came and told him what's up. And it also goes on to say, and Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. So, so here's some points. I'm, I'm giving you guys kind of a multi-scripture message today. But here's the points that I get out of that. God is always looking for opportunities to show himself strong to his people. He's always looking for that. God speaking to the king through the prophet landed the prophet in prison. In other words, God showing himself strong doesn't mean that life is easy.
Some, sometimes life is, is just real and the batteries run out, right? There's a message in that somewhere for us. All right. So here's the point that I really got off of this. Loyalty is not proven in the easy life. If God's looking for hearts who are loyal to him, loyalty is not proven in the easy life. When everything's going well, everything's just cooking along, and we ask for something, we get it. Well, how many of you have walked with the Lord long enough to know that you ask for something, and sometimes you don't get it quite that fast? You ask, you receive, and it says, Jesus himself even said, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, that it's the Father's heart to give us the Holy Spirit. It's, it's something God wants to do, um, but loyalty is not proven in the easy life, but in the difficulty of circumstances, contrary to our wishes. But this is what's important. It's also contrary to, from what others would expect loyalty to arise. The world's looking for you to be loyal to God when everything's good. And isn't that what, what Satan did when he went before God and he said, look at Job. The only reason Job is, is always good and and." And loyal to you, God, is because you won't let anything bad happen to him. And we know from reading the whole book of Job that, gee, God proved his point, didn't he? I'm not saying Job handled everything perfectly, but I am saying he did emerge from that more blessed, more provided for, experiencing God's strength in the end of his life more than at the beginning. If you turn to Jeremiah 6.16, it's another verse that I uh, read this week that really just caught my attention. So, so if I could go back real quick and just say, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him, then Jeremiah 16, or 6.16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see and to ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. See, I, I think the, the invitation is still out there. Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. And I, I was thinking about this, and, and some of the... Um, translations say stand at the crossroads there's a crossroads that I've hit many a time and, and Milton you'd probably identify with this the crossroads is when you're going into Sacramento you have a choice to either keep going south on I-5 or take the scenic slower route called 99 and many of you that have been to California have experienced the joys of speeding down I-5 with very few stops, and some of you have made the mistake or the right decision to take 99. Because 99 is more scenic, there's more things to do, there's more places to stop, there's even stoplights along the way. And if you go in the right time of year, you hit the craziest, thickest fog you've ever seen. God is, is speaking through the prophet to stand where the traffic is and ask for directions. Specifically to ask for the old paths or the ancient paths, the, 
the good way. I, I had somebody here a while back um, that was going out to Oregon. They, they said, hey, Kenny, do you, do you have any recommendations? And for those of you that don't know, I used to live in Oregon, uh, in the Portland area, and spent a lot of time on the Oregon coast. And I, I still know the roads, and, and I know some good places to stop. And so they told me where they were going, and I said, oh, man, you got to stop. It's so good to stop at Multnomah Falls on I-84. It's a left-hand exit into the median. It's, it's a median. You guys know what I'm talking about? You take this exit and you stop there, but don't, don't settle for just going up to the bridge. Don't, don't settle for going up to just the second bridge. Go all the way to the top. you got to go do this. It's, it's such a great view. I can't tell you how many times I went up to the bridge, the second bridge, and called it good. Our family would never go to the top. We'd always look longingly at the people up there looking down at us. And I don't know if my mom and dad did or not, but I looked up there thinking, wow, how do you get up there? And my mom and dad would always, well, let's go. Okay, so we'd go. And Connie and I, that's what we did for the first several years that we were married. We'd go up to the second bridge. We'd look longingly up there. How'd they get up there? I don't know. Let's go. You know, and, and here's, here's what I think the prophet is being talked about with God is, you guys are in such a hurry, you need to slow down because the new ways that you have aren't the best ways. These things are a blessing sometimes to us, but it doesn't always mean that makes our life better depending on how we use them. If they're a tool, they can make our life better. But when they're not working right, which is most of you probably didn't even notice, but the worship team didn't have our iPads this morning. We had paper because I had a problem yesterday with the iPads, and I said, hang it. We're using paper this Sunday because I don't want to try and figure out the technical stuff yesterday. I wanted to do other things than sit there and trying to make technology work for me. And... Um, Connie and I, the first time that we went up to the top of Multnomah Falls, I don't know if you remember the first time we went up there, but we had these kids that we were taking care of, and they were kind of wild boys. Oh, yeah, now it's, it's all coming back. And we had this bright idea. Hey, let's take a hike and wear them out. Well, it wore them out because we were panicking, trying to make sure that they didn't fall over the edge because... The path ends up taking some switchbacks up to the top, and uh, it's a beautiful, if you guys ever go out there, seriously, you've got to go out there. Uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful hikes, and so many people miss it. Uh, Columbia Gorge is beautiful, but we went up there, and I, and I got to tell you guys, it wore us out, but I'm so glad we finally went up there. It's still one of those things that, I mean, that was over probably 27, 28 years ago at least. And I'm still thinking about it today. That how much fun that was to finally not settle for the bridge experience, but to take the hike and get clear up to the top and find out what was behind all of that water coming in over the top. When... When God is speaking to us to ask 
for the right way, the good way, it's not always going to be the fast way. It's not always going to be speedy, but it is going to be a place where he says, you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what Jesus says to us? He says, take my yoke upon you, right? And, and the problem is, is, hey, Jesus, I got things to do today. Return to those ancient paths. So I just wanted to go into that word rest a little bit more. A state of relief from trouble and anxiety as a figurative extension of a resting place in a spatial area. When I, when I read that, I thought, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Isn't that, isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we want? But if you're like me, isn't the temptation, and, and, and you guys need to hear this. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I wasn't planning on doing this, but then they said, you, you really need to do that. You really need to share this part of it. Is uh, Holy smokes, I mean, you guys realize life has been stressful? I mean, I thought, where's Lance? Well, he said he wasn't going to work today, so it must have changed. So, you know, the year started out kind of rough for us as a church family with Lance and Steph finding that she had a tumor on her brain. How many of you would admit that's a little stressful? Just a little bit. And, and then we went through stuff with Jesse and Michelle. We went through stuff with Connie's back, and which, by the way, she's doing better and I'm you know, she's not just here, but she's actually moving around and, and mostly pain-free compared to where she was especially. So, and, and I'm not even covering all the things. I'm just covering some of the high points or low points and, you know, depending on how you look at it in my mind. And then um, I think, Wayne, Wayne, you said something this week about it seems like we're under attack. <laughs> you think? You know, when, when the same thing keeps happening to us over and over and over again, maybe it's time for us to get a clue and say, Jesus, is there something that, that we're missing here? And, and, and I hope you guys catch this, that God is for us, not against us. So sometimes we need to put the enemy back in his place, and not in an arrogant way, uh, but in, in the way of saying, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You know, I, I said this to somebody else here a few weeks ago, but I think it's such a great verse for us to remember. I think everybody should memorize this. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up in judgment against you, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of those who follow the Lord. Did you guys hear that? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So Wayne and Pamela, you guys have had some sickness. We've had some medical stuff. But I'm not going to let that be my identity. This too shall pass. I will emerge out of this because God is for me, not against me. And I may go through this difficulty to prove my loyalty, but I will be proven loyal to the Lord. And you will be proven loyal to the Lord as you emerge out of that. But 
when, when it seems like the enemy is against us, then we need to pray, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up, this is a good one for you, Erica, every tongue that rises up in judgment against you, you get to condemn. And, and so that's, that's why when people say bad things about me, it does happen, by the way. Any of you ever notice that? Bad things get said about you. Aren't you glad that God is your vindicator, that you don't have to leave room for the vengeance of the Lord because he's better at taking vengeance than I am? But, but when I realize that I get to say, Lord, that is not me. I don't accept that. I don't receive that. That is not truth. That is not according to your word. Then there's something freeing of that in me that says, okay, then I don't have to worry about those words that are being spoken against me. And sometimes the words are being spoken just here, not anywhere out here. You guys follow me? And so <clears throat> sometimes we experience, and I've shared this many, many years ago, it's called the, the fulcrum principle, and, and I'm all, not always real good at following it myself, but it was a good reminder that sometimes when, when we're really stressed and a lot of work is going on, and how many of you know that in the summertime in Cody, Wyoming, a lot of us are working extra hours? And so that means that the fulcrum, the point of balance, is over here because we're having to put most pressure on work. I don't know what's going on with that. We'll turn it off for now. Give it a, give it a rest. Our motor might have went out. Um, so you guys have to put more pressure here, but that's not where we're meant to live. And so to ask for the ancient paths is, is to say, Lord, can I get back to the point of balance that you intend me to live this life in? Can I, can I get back to where, where rest and, and restoration happens along with work, that there's a balance? There's a balance between work and family. There's a balance between all of these different things that I'm trying to, to I don't know, it, it seems like it's one of those, I've never been able to do it, but it's like those guys that spin the plates and keep all the plates going. <laughs> And sometimes don't you feel like that? I'm trying to spin all these plates and keep them all going and not falling off. And, and the Lord's saying there's some of those plates you just need to let fall because there's some things that are really important to end. Asking for the best way, I think, is asking for the most enjoyable way. Asking for the opportunity to be back on that path with him. The third verse that we're going to go to, and this is the last one, John 13, if you'd turn there with me. So while you're turning to John 13, just as quick review, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. That's, that's another key point, isn't it? It's not enough to ask for the right directions. You actually have to go do it. <laughs> and then you will find rest for your souls. And unfortunately, then there are people that say, we're not going to do that. 
John 13, starting in verse 2, and supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, <clears throat> are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only, be, only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew, he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things... Blessed are you if you do them. It's not enough to know them. You have to do them. If you know these things, blessed are you if, if you do them. So in the midst of pending betrayal, Jesus knows that Judas is, is betraying him. But Judas is still there. Judas still gets his feet washed. So I, I, I spoke once about Judas uh, this several years ago and uh, somebody got ticked at me for, they said, you're glorifying Judas. I said, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm bringing attention back on somebody that we often just ostracize and don't think that we have anything to learn from. We all can identify with being Judas. We all betray our Lord. But in the midst of pending betrayal, Jesus moves to show something of, a great, of great importance to his disciples. He knows the Father has given all things into his hands. What this means to me is, is that Jesus is not moving out of place of insecurity. Jesus is moving out of a place of knowing who he is, knowing exactly what's going down, and he is completely secure in that. And I, I wrote in my notes here, Jesus was secure in who he was, why he came, and what his father was up to. And it's out of that place of security that he served by washing feet. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if you've been in a foot washing service, it's rather unique. You guys are okay. You can take a deep breath and just, I'm not going to make you wash each other's feet today. Literally. Okay, I'm not going to literally ask you to wash each other's feet. But I'm going to ask you to think about this cultural experience 
there's something about washing feet that if you are walking around um, with sandals on and you've got bare feet and sandals and your feet get dirty, right? You walk into the house and it's a sign of good hospitality for them to uh, wash your feet. It would usually be either a servant in the house that would wash your feet or the uh, wife. I, I mean, ladies, I don't know how this would go over with the, the whole women's movement. I'm not washing their feet. They can wash their own feet. Isn't that how we are with God sometimes? I'm not doing that. But washing feet was a part of hospitality. You would wash their feet, and then you'd usually give them some oil for their, for their dry skin. You know, you'd put a little oil on their face, make them look good. And that was hospitality. Now, we don't have those same cultural things, but what's something we do to guests that come over that's refreshing? Give them a drink. If you have ice, you might even say, would you like ice water? Might offer them some food. Some of you cookie people would have cookies already made. Would you like a cookie? And my answer would be, what kind is it? Is it worth being tempted over? From that place of security he served, he washed their feet. He was being hospitable. He was ministering, refreshing. Simon, in his insecurity, doesn't want Jesus to serve him. It's, if you guys have ever had your feet washed by someone, it's, it's vulnerable. It is humbling. But it's, mostly for me, it's always been uncomfortable because I don't like somebody touching my feet that I don't know real well. And I've had a few instances where it was strangers you know, some pastor, I'd go to a pastor's conference and they'd, we're going to have a foot washing service. Isn't this great? And I'm thinking, I don't know anybody here. I don't think it's great at all. I don't know if I have good socks on today. All those thoughts that come into your brain. But Simon in his insecurity doesn't want Jesus to serve him. Then his response after Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you can't have any part in me. What is Jesus really saying? He's saying, if I can't wash your sins away, you can't have any part in me. Then he's like, oh, then I want it all. And Jesus is saying, no, I just want to wash your feet, Simon. I just want you to submit. I want you to allow me to serve you. And one of the points that I put down here is Jesus serves you even though he knows you will betray him. But the point Jesus is getting at, and it's the point that the disciples understood later, is Jesus was, was doing this to them to help them understand that for the kingdom to go forward in their lives and through their lives, they had to be willing to submit to one another, they had to be willing to serve one another. I'm not saying that what Jesus is doing here is the whole ancient path, but I think it's a part of the ancient path of him saying, Tommy, you need to serve. You know, David, you need to serve. 
It's Jesus asking us to do something sometimes that isn't comfortable. But it's in our loyalty to do those things that God shows himself strong. And it's in that place that we begin to find rest for our souls because we're doing what he has said, even though it seems counterintuitive to our brains, because we're just thinking, Lord, I can do this so much better if you just let me do it. Let me organize it for you. Jesus shows us the old way or the ancient path because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So my conclusion for you guys this morning is God is aware of where our heart is, and he is looking at you. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. And that strength is in the midst of our weakness. Isn't it? How many of us don't want to help? Don't want to, I don't want to ask for help because then I'll be vulnerable. I, I don't want to do this. And, and strength in the midst of our weakness, and I've, I've said this before, but I, I just think of how many times I've heard people say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to church when I get everything in order in my life. Well, let me know how that works out for you because the way I read my Bible is, is that we have to humble ourselves and let him work those things out in our lives because we need him. And any of you that have been married for any amount of time, Connie knows this, is that she needs Jesus to love me. Isn't that true, you guys? If you've been married for any length of time, you have reached a point where you said, oh, God, I need your help. And its strength is found in the midst of our weakness when we ask him for that strength. Too often, we want the strength first and then we'll serve. But I want to leave you guys with, with this as well. Ask him to help you take the more restful paths, the paths of restoration in him. And the ancient paths, church, are serving serving others. Now, Pastor Kenny, I'm tired. I'm not telling you you've got to go pull it all together right now and go have 100 people over to your house. I am saying every one of us should be actively saying, Lord, how can I walk in that restful path with you and serve others at the same time? Well, <clears throat> I know what I just said, but what did you hear? I'm not looking for affirmation of what I just said. What I'm looking for is, did it, did it hit home, or am I confusing anybody? And uh, anybody have a question, comment? You going to go first? Uh, from what you're, you're saying is God doesn't want me to put more plates on my <laughs> what I already got going and sometimes it's overwhelming um, and he wants me to rest in him but okay. also in that I have to serve to be blessed so to continue serving 
and allowing him to show me places, people. Um, sometimes it's just, I'm with people all the time. That's my work. That's my job is to serve people in the physical, but I can also serve them in the spiritual and I need to take the opportunities. And uh, God has those for all of us. We all see somebody. Yeah. So, anyway. Amen. Are you saying I'm kind of slow? No, we all are slow. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, along those lines is that, you know, I've been praying for the, for the church here, for people in the church, for healing, like you said, from the first of the year. Right. And it just hit me so clear that, you know, this is an ongoing situation. Yeah. And, of, and of course... Um, you know, we're all praying against it, but at the same time, I appreciate your wisdom and encouragement this morning. Yeah, I, I just, I guess one of the things I think of in that is just what I did with uh, Finley is I stopped to pick her up. And uh, that's not a big thing in here. You guys aren't going to get offended. I, at least I don't think anybody gets offended at that. But I'm always surprised sometimes at what offends people. But when I'm down in my office and Katie and Scout and Finley are there um, and they, they come in for a little bit, Finley doesn't know the word no real well yet. She doesn't understand, Papa's really busy right now, I can't hold you. Because she might walk away for a little bit, but she'll come right back and want me to hold her again and again and again and again. And... Whenever I stop what I'm working on to hold her, I think I'm probably investing better time in that. And I think that's where sometimes we have all these plates spinning and we have to realize that some of them are okay to let them fall because they're made out of plastic anyway. and They'll fall and they'll be fine, all right? But these are precious gifts. The people that are around you are precious gifts from the Lord. And we somehow have to make priority to serve one another um, in many ways. And she found my microphone. But does, it, does that help that part is the spinning plates? And, yeah, we're a little bit slow sometimes to figure out, yeah, we're under attack. But I just, I just remember that Satan isn't omnipotent. He's, he's not omnipresent. Um, sometimes life is happening and the enemy wants to use what's happening in our lives against us. But my God is greater, you know, and I just think sometimes I need to say also that uh, it's the old song. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He brings grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how pleasant is the name. Uh, uh, no, now I lost the rest of it. But you guys hear that? The Lord God is a sun and shield. This is from the Old Testament. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So God is, his goal is to bring good things. But I'm reminded of Daniel who prayed for how many days? 21, 21 days before breakthrough happened. And I think sometimes I'm probably praying for like two hours. Well, there's no breakthrough, Lord. Man, I'm tired. You know, and I think of Daniel. I just keep pressing through. Right, Finley? Like you, you just keep coming back. Hold me, Papa. How can you say no to this? Especially with these going on today. Anybody else 
Ann? There were quite a few verses that stood out, but I think the thing that stuck me the most is when Jesus calls us to do those uncomfortable things to serve him. But I've noticed that as I've had to do that over this last few months, I've had a lot of different siblings visit, which has been good individually, but they don't communicate with each other, so that's added a different strain to it. Mm -hmm. But through that, and I can see where the Lord had me speak into certain lives and minister to certain ones, but through those times, his brought me closer to him. And so through those uncomfortable times, it's kind of like I had said last week when he had asked, it's that strength training that brings us closer to the Lord mm -hmm. and having to push through some of those areas that are uncomfortable, but we have to do that in order to get to that next level to get to the top of the bridge and to be able to look down and not just look up and, oh, I want to be like those people that are way at the top, but it's like, how do we get there? Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, we have to serve Christ. Right, yeah. Way in the back. Um, this is a really good word for me. Um, all of that was uh, really challenging, but uh, also really enlightening for um, helping me move forward. Um, that Jeremiah 6, 16 verse, um, praying for uh, the ancient paths um, where the good way is and walk in it, um, and then how they said, we will not walk in it. Um, I've been feeling like there's places that I keep finding that I know better. I'm like, why am I not doing what either, even what I used to, or, you know, um, getting as much out of scripture, whatever it is, but, um, just challenging me to, am I somehow, uh, saying I'll not walk in it? Am I getting lazy or complacent or, just routine or whatever it is um, because I'd rather have the results and do it the fast way or, you know, so just refocusing on praying for those ancient paths, but be, but for me to be willing to do it that way. Um, Cause I think a lot of times I am definitely like, Oh, but God, if we could do it this way, that would work out a lot better for me. And I think it would go better for our family and a lot quicker. And then we won't have to deal with all, you know, the pain and the strength training will just, like Ann was saying, be yeah. at the end. And I'm, um, I'm better with that part. <laughs> but um, so being willing to, to sit in that and, and let God uh, show me that and going through those things. And um, just hearing, every time I hear God is aware of my heart state, um, that's always really convicting because he knows the ins and outs, but um, still loving me. And how you said loyalty is not proven in the easy life. Um, that kind of, I think, tied in with Jeremiah 6.16, just um, strengthening my loyalty and commitment to the Lord to be willing to um, dig in in the harder times and not just in the easier stuff. So um, for me, it's really challenging. I want to memorize that. Jeremiah 6.16, so I can remember that and, and, and be reminded of it often. So. Yeah. Good. It was probably maybe 20 years ago I heard a, a teaching using this, this scripture. And through, through it, um, I don't think it was that teaching, but it talked about the ancient past. We were considering several things of how we were going to raise our family, and it might look a little different than what 
society says it's supposed to look and different things like that. And then we heard another teaching, and it was more along the lines of a family mission statement. And I always hate those. Kenny knows how much we love to go to pastor's things and work on your mission statement, work on this, you know. <laughs> but we began to use it as a filter. Who are the Fowlers and what do they look like? What has God called us to do? I'm not going to give you anything on it because I know for a fact several things on my list are the opposite on other families in here. Not that it's right or wrong, it's our identity. But it gave us a filter on how to say yes and no to certain activities or certain, because there's a lot of good stuff out there. And I just realized, I was just thinking, I'm not going to have to pull that back out. It's been years since we pulled it out. But it really helped us to know what God has called us and our family to do. It really helped us be able to look back at that, those ancient paths. That's how we kind of formed our mission statement was looking at, at those ancient paths, what God was calling us to do. And um, anyway, there was peace there because we didn't have to say yes to everything just because it was good. Right. We were able to say yes to what God had called us to do. And I'm not saying get a family mission statement, but I'm saying it's so good to have some kind of filter that's outside of just, well, sure, I have time for that. Let's go for it to actually have a filter to know what is it that defines what God is calling me to do. So uh, thank you for reminding me of that. And when you posted that to the men this week, I'm kind of like, I gave an answer. I'm like, well, that's really not what my personal answer would be. That's kind of like what the correct Bible answer I think would be. <laughs> so anyway, I won't give you that answer either. But I was saying what, what, what you know, I, it really wasn't how I interpret that verse personally. It's how I think the, what he was referring to in it. So anyway. But to have that filter is, is really important to know what those ancient paths were and what we're being asked to do. Because the world bombards us every day, like you said, with the computers, with technology, with relationships, with this. And it, it, it's exhausting. And so to know what God has called you to do, to be able to filter that, it's very important in this insane world. Chuck. I knew that would get your attention. Choke. Uh, kind of have a couple of little different readings here uh, out of Zechariah chapter uh, 7, verse 8. And the word of the Lord came into Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassions every man to his brother, and oppress not the widow, the fatherless, nor the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore there came great wrath from the Lord of hosts, Therefore it has come to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. That would be a terrible place to get into. I think I'm getting a little hot here. Um, the other thing, uh, talking about the plates and the things that you have that um, in the air, it says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if a man's work abide, which he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. And so I think it's in that, um, whether, like Jesse said, it, there's a lot of good things to be involved in, but not a lot of God things to be involved in. And then considering, are we building to the eternal or the terrestrial? Are we building to our own kingdom, or are we building to his kingdom? So... Right. Good stuff. Let's co close in prayer. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you encourage us, Lord, by reminding us that your heart is for us, that you're looking for hearts that are loyal. Lord, I, I get the sense in Ephesians um, Lord, that, that there's some proving still going on today, Lord, where you're, you're showing the power of your salvation through your church to um, the enemy in his camp as well as the angels in heaven, that they're, they're all witnessing um, that your love, that your strength, that your eyes roaming to and fro throughout the earth to show yourself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to you, Lord, is, is just, again, proving over and over again your love, your capability to redeem, your strength in our lives, Lord, when we are weak. God, I'm so thankful that we have a great hope in you that we are not destitute, that we're not left alone. And Lord, I pray that as we consider what these ancient paths are, Lord, that there would be a willingness, Lord, to um, press in, Lord, and to allow you to be our strength in the places where we encounter our own weakness. Lord, help us to understand and discern what things need to be dropped in order for us to hold on to the things that it really matter. And Lord, in those moments and maybe seasons where we have to put more effort in to kind of hold things together, Lord, because of responsibilities and different things, Lord, help us to look ahead in hope, knowing that, Lord, that isn't where you've called us to live, but you're calling us back to that place of rest, <clears throat> that place of restoration, that place of serving, that place of allowing you Lord, to move through your church, move through each one of us. Lord, in all of our weakness, in all of our incapability, Lord, we thank you that it's your strength, it's your capability. Be glorified in your church, in our giving today, in our, in our paying of tithes, Lord, of honoring you with a portion of that which you've blessed us with. Meet the needs, Lord, of your church, we ask in Jesus' name.